Good to see each one this morning. You have your Bibles open to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. We're going to end our series this morning that we have entitled Sounding the Alarm from Within, encouraging Christian people to put the trumpet to their mouth and blow the warning as Hosea talked about. Today I want to ask the question and I want to answer the question, has America lost sight of the living God? Now, last week I listed for you my top three values which face our nation, which made me, you know, uh, determine which candidate I was going to vote for. I had three things. Now, there are many other important things to consider in this election uh, when casting your vote. I tell you what, and I mentioned this, uh, I think, in our first uh, uh, series, uh, the first lesson in this series. This has got to be the most important election in my lifetime. I look at it as an election that's going to determine whether God is going to remain one nation under God, a free nation, or if we're going to become a socialist nation. You, the American people, make that determination on which direction we want to take our country, whether we want to take it down a road of socialism or we want to keep it, you know, as we have for over 200 and some 44 years. Now, there's other things to consider, like the Second Amendment, open borders, health care, and many other things that are very important. But last week, I gave you my top three, and I know it may seem to some that all hope for America is gone as we look around us. And it'd be easy to say, yes, I do believe that, uh, you know, America may be got too far gone to turn around. But it is of my opinion, you know, that at this time there is still hope for America. However, if Christians do not come out of the closet into the streets and begin demanding uh, that our elected officials stop passing laws that violate the written word of God, return to biblical base, the, the biblical base that found in this nation and begin taking a stand for righteousness, then ho- folks, all hope will be gone for our nation. Now today, I'll, again, I want to ask the question, has America lost sight of the true living God? Now here in Romans chapter 1, I, 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 we see what happens when a person, a people, or a nation loses sight of the true and living God. Paul has this to say in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, and it is making reference to the gospel of Christ, the word of God. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, For therein, again, making reference to the Word of God, Paul is pointing out how important the Word of God is for a nation, a person, or a people. He says, for in it, therein, the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, for for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in righteousness, because that which uh, may be known, uh, excuse me, for that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal by, uh, power, the Godhead and Godhead, 
so that they are without excuse. Folks, in verse 16 and 17, I believe that this is the key to a nation being a godly nation, a godly people, and that is that we hold to, we adhere to, we look to, we depend upon the Word of God as our foundation. When you go back to our founding fathers, you see that we was founded upon the biblical values on the Word of God. The bottom line is when a nation abandons the word of God, that nation no longer has an understanding of the God of the word. And I think where there's many people within our nation today that is that away. They have no understanding of the God of the word because they no longer, uh, you know, depend upon the, the word of God. And I firmly believe that since the sixties, this nation has abandoned the word of God. And because of that, we no longer have a true understanding of the God of the Word. And, you know, our view of Him and His righteousness has been distorted. And, and for most within our nation, they wouldn't see the truth or understand the truth if the truth hit them right between the eyes. Let's get into our, story, our, our lesson this morning. The first thing to happen when a people loses sight of the true and living God is we find that there's a decline in culture. You know, uh, look at, look at, look at verses 21 through 23. You see, to know God, but push that knowledge aside is what happens. Now, because, uh, we're gonna look at three steps. The first one is to know God, but push that knowledge aside. Because that, when they knew God, now I want you to look at the word knew. Okay? That's, that's very important to understand that word, and we'll talk about it in a moment. For when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. But they became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like uh, to corruptible men, and to birds, and the four-footed beast, and to creeping things. Paul, listen, Paul is not talking here in this passage of Scripture when he talks about they who knew God, those who became vain in their imagination, those whose foolish heart was darkened. He's not talking about the drunk lying out in the street somewhere covered in his own vomit. He's not talking about the drug addict who is strung out in some apartment with a needle hanging out of their arm. He is not talking about the prostitute who is out on the street selling his or her body for drugs. He's not talking about the evil people who are going around rioting and looting. He's not talking about the evil people who are out killing and raping as they terrorize the community. Folks, he's speaking here about those who have made the decision to follow Christ or those who call themselves believers. That's who he's talking about. For they knew God, but they did not glorify Him as God. There's a lot of people out there who claims to know God, but they're not glorifying Him as God. They're not seeing Him as God. There are many people... You know, who, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, who are out there who, who stand boldly and, and pound on their chest and call themselves Christians, yet the things they do is not Christ-like. There are many like the Democratic leaders who say in one breath that they're Christians, and the next breath they talk about killing babies and redefining God's design for marriage, and they talk about doing away with our religious worship, our freedom of worship of the true and living God. Now, as we get to verse 22, look what he says. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Folks, can I tell you something? 
I believe there's a lot of people in Washington, D.C. that think they're smart. They think they're wise. They, 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 they think, you know, that they've got it all together. They think they're good Christians. Many of them stand up and boast how good of a Christian they are. But you know what God says? As he looks down, he says, you ain't nothing but a fool. Now, you say, that's a harsh word. Well, the Bible simply says in the book of Proverbs, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So all a fool is, is a person who does not adhere to God. They do not trust God. They do not necessarily believe in the power of God. You say, well, are you saying there's a lot of of our politicians who are fools? Uh, Yeah. Okay. We got a lot of fools running this nation, folks. That's why you see some of the laws they pass. Because they do not believe in the true living God. You see, the Greek word that is used here, you know, for new, has the meaning to know, especially through personal experience. Through personal experience. Look, he's speaking here about the people who have had a personal experience, (coughs) excuse me, with Jesus Christ in a saving way, yet they abandoned the word of God they ceased giving him glory. They began looking at, at things through a worldview, through the eyes of foolish rather than the wise. And, 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 the, and the next thing they, they, that happens is they see nothing wrong with what they're doing. They see nothing wrong with what they're doing. And they see nothing wrong with, you know, what people around them are doing. You see, they find themselves worshiping the creation rather than the creator. What do you think this new green deal is all about? It's about people who's wanting to worship the creation rather than the creator. You see, every culture that has ever pushed away or suppressed the knowledge of God, the next step in that culture has been idolatry. And once idolatry has taken a culture, folks, there's steps that people go through. The first step is this. Idolatry leads to the worship of man. And then idolatry leads to the worship of the image of a man. And then idolatry leads to the worship of animals. You say, well, I don't think there's people in the United States that worship animals. Listen to me. There are those that see nothing wrong with killing over 4,000 babies a day within the borders of our, our great nation. Yet you let one turtle egg get run over or crushed by someone walking on the beach. You let one of these little... Weird lizards, you know, get run over by a car, you know, that's crossing the road. And what do people do? They cry their eyes out. Yes, they are worshiping animals and bugs and I mean everything else. But they see nothing wrong with exterminating a baby in the womb of its mother. Look, as knowledge of God is pushed away and idolatry takes over, the people find themselves falling for the images of false gods and no longer have a concept of the one true and living God. And once we lose the concept of the true and living God, folks, the next step that they begin to practice is sexual immorality along with the false worship of false gods. And when this happens, the next step in the decline of culture is that God will turn the people over to their sins. Let's look at verse 26 and 27. For this cause, now what cause is that? What Paul has just been talking about, about the people no longer having an understanding of God, about the people beginning to worship, you know, other gods and false gods. For this cause, God gave them up to their vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use uh, into that which is against nature. I want you to underline maybe in your Bible, if you don't mind that, 
uh, it's against nature. And likewise, also men leaving the natural use. There's, uh, there's another word you need to pay attention to. The natural use of the woman burn in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the era which was met. Look here. One thing is for certain. When a people or when a nation ceases to worship the true and living God and turns to the worship of idols, folks, it's not long until God, after trying to draw them back, God will always try to draw them back, He turns them over to the things that they desire. And it doesn't stop there. And here's the scary part. Once a nation gets to that point, folks, God will give them the leaders they deserve. God will give them the leaders they desire as a people. Now, that's a scary thing. I pray that the United States of America hadn't got to that point that God's just going to say, okay, we're turning you over to what you desire. God help us. God forbid. Paul is saying this, that homosexuality, Rather, woman with woman or man with man is not natural, okay? It's not natural. It's just not a natural thing. One of the big debates that's been going on for years, a number of years, is the comparison of homosexual rights with the civil rights movement from back in the 60s and the 70s. But anyone whose mind is rational, that's the key, okay, whose mind is rational, can see that it's natural for a black person to be black because that black person had a black mom and a black dad. So it's natural that they're born that way. The truth is, though, folks, it's not natural for a person to be a homosexual. It's a choice they make. So you can't, you, you can't, you can't put together the homosexual rights and the civil rights as two different things. You're born black because you got a black mama and daddy. But when it comes to homosexuality, you know, the Bible says it's unnatural, that it's not normal, that that's not the way God created it. So you can't say that I was born that way. I hope that makes sense to you. You know, you you cannot say that. You cannot say that. You see, it's a choice. How can one say they were born that way when the Scripture says it's not natural? Look, we can be assured of one thing. A nation is on the road to destruction when that which is unnatural becomes natural and it becomes an acceptable lifestyle. Now, do you think homosexuality is an acceptable lifestyle in our nation today? You better believe it. You better believe it. Not by the, you know, those who are true Christians, but by others it does. Look here. Now, let me just let me just insert this. This is not a hate statement toward the homosexual personally. Okay? I have family and I have friends who are living that lifestyle. They've chose to live that lifestyle. They're still welcome in my home. They come to my home. But look here, it's not a hate statement toward the homosexual. Jesus loved them enough to die on the cross for them. So who am I to love them any less? But it's a factual statement about the sin of homosexuality. You see, homosexuality is just like any other sin. It's a choice a person makes. It's a choice a person makes. You know, people want to 
you know, talk about how bad it is. But you know what? It's no different than uh, two people making the choice to live together outside of marriage. That's a sin too. It's no different than the sin of two people having premarital sex. That's a choice too. You see, so homosexuality is a choice that people make. And they're going to have to live with the consequences thereof. As Christians, we must not be afraid, though, to take a stand against the sin itself and not back down to say, as does the Scripture, that it's an abomination against God. You know, ever since the 60s, and, you know, most of us in here this, this morning grew up in the 60s. Some of you didn't even know there was a 60s. You're so young. But ever since the 60s, this nation has taken a moral decline And that decline has its roots in sex. You know, when you go back to the 60s, the 60s was known as the sexual revolution. How many of you remember that? The sexual revolution. You know, and this nation has not been the same ever since. That's when we started going downhill. When we started going downhill. Look, anything and everything sexual was deemed okay so long as those involved in it felt it was justified, okay? You know, as long as they felt within themselves, it was justified. I remember a saying in the 60s, and they even had a song about it, and I'm sure you do too. If it feels good, do it. How many of you remember that? If it feels good, do it. Now, because everything felt good, You know, things like living together outside of marriage, premarital sex, and on and on we could go. They have been accepted now as the norm, even though the Bible says it's a sin against God. Even though the Bible says it's a sin. Look, magazines are full of sex and homosexuality, television commercials. Sometimes you don't even know what they're advertising because they're so sexual in nature. When you get through watching it, you say... Well, what was they advertising? Prostitution, you know? And it may have been iced tea, okay? But television commercials and, you know, even, even cartoons nowadays are full of sex and filth and things that would have embarrassed men in the 50s. Why the change? Why the change? Because instead of the church taking a stand in the 60s when the filth began... We become tolerant of it, thinking, well, this is just a fad. It will go away. And because we didn't, you know, want to cause any problems, what we did is stuck our head as a church in the sand, thinking that when we pulled our head out of the sand, it would all be gone. But rather than being gone, folks, it has swept our nation, and now it has become the norm. God help us. God help us. Look, because our nation has been turned over to the vile affection, the United States is now no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. Is no better. In fact, Billy Graham once made this statement. If God doesn't bring judgment on the U.S. for our moral depravity, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah for destroying them. That's where we've gotten, folks. Now, there's three steps to the decline of culture, okay? Here's the third step. God would give them a mind void of judgment. In other words, God would just give them a mind that says, 
hey, we can do this because there's not going to be any consequences to it. And why do you think people can continue in sin, habitual sin, and, and, and not, even, not even be convicted of it no more? It's because their mind has done been void, made void of judgment. They don't think God is going to punish them for it or bring judgment upon it. Look, look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which was convenient. Look, we are where we're at as a nation, folks, because many within our nation have known God and they've already reached this final step in the decline of culture, this final step of a mind void of judgment. They have already received a reprobate mind. Now, what is a reprobate mind? A reprobate mind, first of all, is a mind that can no longer think rationally. It's a mind that can no longer comprehend the judgment of God. It's a mind, you know, that can no longer that no longer believes even in the existence of God. Look, this is the reason we have politicians who pass laws that violate the written word of God. And as Christians, we sit back and we look at that and we say, how in the world can this be? How can a person in their right mind come up with such laws or come up with such policies? How can senators and congressmen and congresswomen stand in front of in front of cameras and without hesitation say, and here's what some of them said, I'm going to quote it, I have no problem with abortion and I favor legalizing same-sex marriage and I would fight efforts to prohibit from doing so. And then they say, I'm a Christian. Then they say, my religion, you know, plays a part in my policy making. Folks, you're, listen to me. Your religion, your faith cannot play a part in your decision making if your decision making kills 4,000 babies a day. If, if your, your decision making says it's okay for same-sex marriage. If your decision making says, you know, that people don't have the freedom to worship their God. Don't stand there and tell me your faith plays a part in your decision-making because there's no way that it can. Look, how can a person in their right mind believe and do such things? The key is they're not in their right mind. Their mind's done been turned over to a mind void of judgment. You see, therefore, they can't think rationally. And yes, I'm saying there's a lot of politicians out there whose mind has then been turned over to a mind void of judgment. Look, am I saying they're out of their mind? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm saying that. that. That's another reason that we as Christians should be careful by, for who we put in office to make our laws. Listen, if we willfully vote for a person whose worldview is against the Bible... <laughs> we are just as guilty as they are. When they pass laws that violate the written word of God, we too will answer to God for our vote. Look, if it's an immoral person, their mind may have already been turned over to a mind void of judgment, and they'll see nothing wrong with laws that says we're taking prayer out of the school. Their mind, they, will, they, they will pass laws that ban manger scenes at Christmas time in, in courthouses or, you know what, and it'll even get into your yard one day. You say, that, that'll never happen. Don't tell me it will never happen. If this nation turns into a socialist nation, it will happen. 
it will happen. You know, they, they see nothing wrong with taking the Ten Commandments out of our school and out of our courthouse. They see nothing wrong with making it legal to kill babies through the ungodly act of abortion. You know, laws that make it okay to jail anyone who preaches and teaches against homosexuality or sermons that says there's no other God but Jehovah because you might offend a Muslim. So be it. Again, if you vote for a person who passes such laws, you're just as guilty as they. You see, a mind who is void of judgment is a dangerous mind. Now, you say, well, what is a mind that's void of judgment? Let me give you some characteristics. I think I got four of them listed here. First of all, a mind that is mind void of judgment, they're filled with every kind of sin, envy, selfishness. You'll find these in verses 29 through 32. We're just not going to go through all of them. But it's a mind that is filled with every kind of sin, evil, selfishness, and hatred. You know, they're they're full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and thinking the worst about each other. The second thing is they gossip and say evil things about each other. They hate God. They are rude and conceited and brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They don't obey their parents. In verse 31, they are foolish. They do not keep their promises. You know, they they show no kindness or mercy toward one another. In verse 32, they know what God's law says and and that those who live that way should die, but they themselves not only continue to do these evil things, but they applaud others who do. I don't know about you, but that sounds like some people in Washington, D.C. All of us, on both sides of the aisle. Listen, you know, church, we must put the trumpet our lips as Hosea said and we must sound the warning we must return to being the salt and the light you know that God has mandated for us to be we must take back our nation from those who have a mind void of judgment and return our nation back to a nation you know that 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 loves God that stands upon God's word and can I tell you something that's not going to start in the White House that's not going to start in the House of Congress that's not going to begin in courthouses it must begin in the house of God If we're going to take back our nation, folks, it begins in the house of God. And Christians not being ashamed to stand upon the word of God and only elect those who will also do so. Look, we as a people of God, we cannot be timid. We we cannot bow down to those who have, uh, you know, who, who, who violate the written word of God. We must put that trumpet to our mouth. We must sound that alarm. Listen, Tuesday is a very important day for the future of this great nation. And if we're to keep it from an anti-God socialist nation, those who are seeking to take over our government and destroy this godly nation, we must go to the polls and we must exercise our right to vote. Here's a thought. If every true, I said true child of God, not those who just claim to be, But if every true child of God would vote their biblical values this election, it would not even be close. It would not even be close. But the sad thing is, many who call themselves Christians, first of all, will either not go vote, or second of all, they'll vote because they're more committed to a party than they are their Savior. 
and how sad that is. Yeah, I don't know the heart of everyone here today, but you know what? If you've never been saved, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you know, probably none of this made much sense to you. You said, why in the world are you up there preaching a message like that? Well, because first of all, we're about to lose our nation. And when we do, you may not ever get a chance to hear the word of God again because we'll be censored. In fact, Mike, last week, didn't they kind of cut us off there during our live stream because of something I said for about a minute or two? Then they rejoined it, but Facebook, they, they interrupted, and they throw the thing up there and said it's interrupted until they could verify, okay, the things I was saying and how sad that is. So don't think they won't cut us off from worshiping our God. If this nation goes socialist, folks, they will. They will. So you say, well, what can I do? First of all, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you need to give your heart and your life over to him. And then you'll be able to understand the word of God. But until you understand and you know the God of the word, you'll never understand his word. So if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. We want to give you that choice this morning, that opportunity this morning. Child of God, let me encourage you. Tuesday. If you hadn't already voted, you've got to get to the polls Tuesday, and we've got to save our nation. We've got to save our nation. Maybe this morning you just need to come to the altar and pray for our nation. Maybe there's someone you just need to pray for. Whatever you need this morning, I just pray if the Holy Spirit of God is moving upon your heart, you just be obedient. Let's pray. Jesus.